Welcome to the Gridiron Icon Podcast, where we visit with legends of the game. Touchdown, touchdown. Including players and coaches from the NFL, college football, and beyond. And now, fresh off the end of the bench, Stacy Bauman and NFL legend Preston Denard. Right. 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 Here we go, here we go. Let's go. Well, welcome everyone, all of our guests to watch another iconic podcast from Gridiron Icon Podcast. We got a special guest this evening, and as we huddle each and every week, we join ourselves with iconic people to bring wonderful, wonderful flavor about who they are and where they come from. And it's spurred on by what introduced us to them in the first place, that professional sport, whatever that genre might have been, that's what we're doing today. And tonight's iconic guest um, is just a wonderful guy. My co-host, Stacey Baum, and I just go back and forth about how excited we are to have this one. But Stacey, welcome, my friend. I'm looking forward to this. How about you? Oh, I'm very excited to talk to this guy. Another Texan. We got a lot of Texas guys that roll through here. Yeah, they just seem like they originate from there. You know, Texas is big enough to hold all these horses, you know. (laughs) All right, we're going to kick this thing off. Uh, Gosh, uh, this is going to be great. This week's iconic guest is, well, comes from Laredo, Texas. He's going to tell us a little bit about that. Where he earned letters in golf, football, basketball, baseball, and track. We want to know a little bit more about that. Um, as a senior, won uh, All-American honors in football, including Texas Player of the Year. Now, you got to realize how big that place is, Stacey, oh, to be a player cute. of the year. There's one guy or one person that gets that, and I guess maybe they've shared it before, but our guest won that. He also won All-State honors in baseball, All-District accolades in basketball, and from there on to Brigham Young University, one of my favorite schools, which I don't know if you knew that, but I'll have to tell you that story about Lavelle, where he was a two-time All-American, and I watched almost all his games, where he amassed for over 16,000 yards passing and 127 uh, touchdown passes. Might I say, he also captured a little <laughs> award called the Heisman Trophy along the way which is highly recognizable and known by one of the top players in the country. Also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. From there, went on to an NFL career where he starred and shared the quarterback room with guys like Brett Farr. Want to know about that? Steve Young, Rodney Pete, Michael Vick, and others. Ladies and gentlemen, this evening, our iconic guest, and the one and only, Mr. Ty Detmer. (laughs) Number 14. Number 14 is in the house. Yes, in the house. Oh, so glad to have you, my friend. You know what? I was telling Stacy as we got this show going, and we're trying to think about our guests and who we'd like to have. And I said, you know, it's time to just take this thing wherever it wants to go. And the first person I thought about was you because, you know, he has a wonderful golf tournament that he comes out with a dear friend of ours, um, Stacy Corley out here, the Corley family, wonderful tennis players. Uh, Stacy uh, went to BYU as well, so there's a relationship there, and I always like to join these guys for the golf tournament. How are you, my friend? Tell us uh, how things going these days. Oh, it's going good out here in uh, Queen Creek, Arizona, coaching high school football at American Leadership Academy here in Queen Creek, and uh, 
just uh, enjoying the springtime weather out here. It's been good. Oh, it's, you know what? You guys go through actual official spring ball, don't you? Don't you have days dedicated to that? We do. We have uh, 16 practices. We'll start April 24th and go for about a month till about middle of May and, and uh, kind of get the boys back into football mode again. So. <laughs> that can't be too hard to do. Man, there's so many questions, so many things we want to ask you, but we're going to kick this off and my partner is going to jump in here when, when, when he feels like it because he's got a ton of questions. But, <laughs> but, but Ty, let's, let's start this thing out from the beginning. Tell us how, well, of course, growing up in Texas, you can't do anything else but love football. And I imagine football was the first sport that you went, tried to tackle. It was. Uh, I played everything growing up. My dad was a high school coach. Uh, you know, early on in his career, he coached baseball and basketball as well as like lower level football. And then he became a head football coach. And I just got to be the ball boy and the guy hanging around the <laughs> sideline uh, in the coaches meetings, listening to the coaches talk and watching the film. Back then it was film run forward and backward and mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, picked up a lot along the way, I think, without really even being talked to, just hearing coaches talk and, and being around it. And so, uh, that you know, and growing up in Texas, that's kind of the was the main sport and, and uh, probably the most exciting for people to watch. So I just kind of gravitated towards that. Boy, I tell you, you just fly over the state of Texas in an airplane and you look down at those high school stadiums and you're like, what? That this is a whole this is a whole different gig <laughs> in Texas, and you're you're bringing that to Arizona, I'm assuming, with your crew. Well, we're we're trying. We're we're having a good time down here. I coach with Max Hall, who also, um, you know, played for the Cardinals for a year, and, and yeah. so you know, we have a good time, and and we're building a program. We're moved up to six A this year, so we we moved up oh, three levels in the last four years. Wow. And, and uh, the school's really uh, been growing, and the program's been growing. I remember when 3A was the top class out there when I was in school. Boy, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit since then. So it's, uh, it's good, though. We're enjoying it. Wow. Phenomenal. So, get, hey, do you mind going back a little bit for those of us who don't get to golf with you, like uh, my big shot co-host <laughs> over there, uh, and the fans who are really interested in catching up with you, how did you get started? I mean, I got to tell you, I, I was totally taken back to learn that you were a track guy too. Um, and, and I mean that with utmost respect, but I remember the prolific passing yards right. for Brigham Young. I was trying to remember you running around like, uh, like crazy and, and, and with speed kills on your back. I don't remember that. How did you get, bring it, take us back to when you were a kid there. Yeah, so my dad, you know, he talked me into running track. He said, Hey, it'll yeah. be, It'll help you get faster. I wasn't the fastest kid. I wasn't very big, wasn't very fast. Um, I could throw it. And so I said, all right, you know, and I guess I better do the hurdles because I can't just distraction <laughs> oh. or something. So um, I did the hurdles, the 300 and the one pin just to try to gain speed more than anything for football. So that wasn't my first love for sure. Uh, you know, but, and baseball season was at the same time. So I'd go from track practice catch the second half of baseball, uh, get my swings in, field, and, and then get to run the bases with those guys. So, uh, you know, I, I was pretty active, pretty busy in high school, which was fun. Love it. Your parents had a big impact on that. They did. They encouraged sure. it. 
again, you know, my dad suggested it. He didn't force it on me, but I figured, well, if he's if he's telling me I need to get faster, I probably ought to do it. So, uh, <laughs> and, and it was fun. We had a good group of friends that that we all ran together and, and did everything mm-hmm. together, and um, so you know, it, it made it easy to to jump right in there. <laughs> God, the life of a coach's son is so <laughs> underrated. So underrated. <laughs> it, it, I can't complain. I had a great childhood. Uh, my dad was one of those guys that he didn't just, you know, he wasn't a drill sergeant. He wasn't your s- typical stereotypical, uh, you know, mm-hmm. high school football coach. Uh, he allowed us to have fun. We played loose. We, we threw the ball around at, at a time when most teams weren't. And, uh, you know, we had some characters on that team that just <laughs> – you couldn't tighten them up. If you made them tight and you made them just do it this way, it wasn't going to work for them. And he uh, – he recognized that and allowed us just to have a lot of fun playing and then be wide open and, and learn the game. Wow. And, you know, throwing that ball around with the family and, and, and siblings, and all of a sudden, one day, that ball had to travel a little bit different. When <laughs> did it? When did that trigger really come into play when you realized, hey, I, I kind of can throw this thing? When yeah. did that happen for you? started as a sophomore and – I think threw for about 1,100 yards. Threw, you know, did okay. I was still kind of scrawny, 145 pound. Uh, you know, back there trying to figure it out. And my junior year, we came out and the first game of the season, my dad kind of jokingly, "Hey, let's let's throw for 250." You know, <laughs> I, I love it. Ended up uh, throwing for 350, and it was like, whoa, whoa. We, you know, we got something special going. Our tight end was. Five seven, 150 pounds, but could fly. Dennis Ray, uh, our receivers, everything kind of fell into place. Um, you know, we released both backs, and those guys could catch it out of the backfield, which nobody was doing then. Your linebackers were big, thick guys with a neck roll, and and uh, so you know, it just everything lined up. And that year, we just we went, and that was the year. You know, we went 12 and 0, and, and 12 and 1 lost. You know, in the going into the quarterfinals and, and uh, first time our school had ever been in the playoffs. And so wow. uh, that's when things kind of clicked and started getting some recognition from colleges and, and uh, you know, everything just kind of realized, Hey, I've got a chance to play in college. You know, who knows what happens after that. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. The college thing. I mean, so I'm fascinated by that piece of your journey, uh, multi-sport athlete, uh, coach's son, could probably talk for another hour on that, but as you as you progressed in, especially based on your size and your multifaceted talents, you're in Texas. Did Texas try to recruit you? How did you end up at BYU? This has got to be a story, I'm assuming. Well, uh, I, I mean, I got letters uh, from some of the schools in Texas, and Baylor was probably throwing it more than anybody at that time. With and uh, but you know, I, I kind of started. I saw BYU win the national championship in 1984. Didn't know where BYU was or, or what Provo, Utah was. and, and uh, But having seen them play and, and a real similar style of offense where the backs were involved, tight end was involved, um, it kind of piqued my interest. And mm-hmm. took a trip up there that summer before my senior year. Um, you know, we they sent a recruiter down that spring and, and watched practice and and uh, got to take a trip. And, you know, Lavelle tells a story, you know, oh, this hot shot, big, big quarterback from Texas. Uh, uh, 
pound and, you know, he's going to be 6'4", 230 pounds and then in walk Pee Wee Herman, you know. And so uh, <laughs> probably if he'd have seen me before the trip, he probably wouldn't have offered me. But uh, right. he, uh, he pulled the trigger while we were up there and, and offered me and I verbally committed at that time and, and just felt like, man, this is this is a perfect setup. But, you know, they're they're doing it like nobody else and and real similar to what we were doing. So I was really familiar with the style of offense going in there my, after my senior year. And, and uh, it was, you know, sometimes you just fall into the right spot at the right time and it's the perfect fit for you. And, and that's really what BYU was for me, um, you know, football wise, just everything involved with it. It was really the perfect fit. Ty, tell us about the relationship. Uh, I tell everybody, Lavelle Edwards is a totally different person than you could ever imagine. <laughs> because he he was special to each individual he met. There was something about him that he had to offer to each person he met. Tell us your journey with Lavelle and, and that relationship. Obviously, he had to be a huge impression when you first decided to go to school there. Yeah, I think, you know, just... Um you know, the, the program that he had built kind of spoke for itself, especially at the quarterback position at that time where he had Gifford Nielsen, Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, I mean, just lined up in order. And uh, and so that was first and foremost. And then as you meet him, like you said, you know, he's, he's kind of, it, it's not the old school where you coach everybody the same. I mean, he, he treats everybody differently because we're all different people, right? And and uh, different interests, and and he was one of those guys that could just talk to you as a as a man, and uh, and as a father figure, and not not the drill sergeant type of coach. So he he really reminded me a lot of my dad and the style he coached, and uh, it was you know a very kind of calming effect that he had over the team where. There were no highs and lows. He kind of had that grumpy look on his face, all the time, <laughs> but wasn't a grumpy type of guy, you know. It's just the <laughs> the way his face was built, I guess. Uh, but um, but he was just you know one of those guys that kept everything calm, everything under control. And as a player, you could go play without fear of, of just being jumped on and, and benched right away. Everything was thought out and. And uh, just a, a great relationship with him. And then when I got done playing, really got to know him more on a personal level. And, mm -hmm. and uh, that friendship grew at that time and spent with time with him and his wife, Patty. And just, um, you know, really, really grew to love the man because of, of what he brought to the table and, and how he did things, how he treated you. That's wow. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lavelle Edwards, I mean, he's an icon. He's an icon in, in football history. I gotta, I gotta ask you, Ty. I mean, just from a very human standpoint, for those of us that uh, never quite got to where you guys got, I, do you ever just sit back and pinch yourself? I mean, the 1990 season that you had is still one of the best seasons by a quarterback in college football history. Over 5,000 yards in 12 games. You have, you finished the year with 42 NCAA records. Ty, that doesn't happen to everybody. Do you ever just pinch yourself and, and do you get the kids asking you now as a coach? What, how do you do when you reflect on that? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's always a little bit surreal and, and you probably have to pinch yourself every time I go to New York for the Heisman <laughs> announcement. You oh, know? yeah. And I'm standing there next to the guys I grew up 
you know, were my heroes. Tony Dorsett, I, you know, in Texas, huge cowboy fan. Right. I met Roger Staubach. I'm just in awe. You know, it's like <laughs> Roger, that was the guy. You know, um, that was my hero growing up. Um, so every time you get to New York, it's kind of like, man, I'm I'm very blessed to to have been able to to be in this situation, to be able to be a part of that group, and and so. Um, yeah, I mean, there's times where it's just like, you know, just so fortunate that it, it happened to me, you know, I mean, it could happen to anybody, but happened to me, it can happen to anybody. And, and, uh, I just feel like, again, BYU is the right place, the right time, the right people around you. It, it takes everybody. It's a team, especially for a quarterback. You got to have guys like Preston Denard, throw them a five yard slant and they go for 80, you know, um, <laughs> So, uh, no, my, mine's more like throw it for 60 and I'll run the other 20. <laughs> Just hope you throw it in the end zone, Ty. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yeah, you know, you, you sit there and you kind of got to take a step back and, and just appreciate it and, and enjoy it, you know, because it's, it's something as a kid you dream of growing up as a high school football player in Texas. I remember watching Earl Campbell win the Heisman and thought, man, that's the, uh, that's the guy right there. That's the, the pinnacle of it. And then now I'm sitting there next to him and he's telling me, you know, giving me advice about it. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is, this is not, not supposed to happen. So uh, what's, what's the, um, um, tell us one thing that the common fan and, and, and us guys who haven't had that one experience being a Hall of Famer, tell us one thing that we wouldn't know today that you've experienced once you become a Hall of Famer. <laughs> well, a little, a little insight. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing Earl Campbell told me when they presented the trophy that night at the dinner was the Heisman Trophy will do more for you than you can ever do for it. And uh, wow. that's been the case. You know, I mean, it, you get announced as a Heisman Trophy winner. You can play 14 years in the NFL, you can do all of those things, but you're always going to be a Heisman winner. And uh, that's been a treat for me, you know, and it, it was special for my family, especially my dad. Um, that. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I love that, buddy. Yeah. Uh, There's a love, baby. There's a love. Give me the feels. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's how this, I mean, that's how this game started. Family and, and always has been. So. Oh, Ty, that's special, man. That's special. Yeah. Uh, without dad, there's no tie, right? And there's none of those accomplishments. Uh, amazing. You get, you got to tell us where's the Heisman today. Does does dad have the Heisman, or or no. does the, do the kids have it? And the girl, you know, they're throwing. <laughs> so they they had it for a few years uh, when we were bouncing around from team to team. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, they took it home with them on the plane. You know, probably wouldn't have gone over real well in a college apartment. You know, but who knows what would. <laughs> So uh, my parents took it, had it for a long time. Now it's in the office here in our house, and kind of nice. tuck it behind the closed doors and, and pull it out as needed. But um, yeah, they they enjoyed it for a long time, and, and uh, you know now it's it's here at the house. So well, I can tell you, Special. as you get older, that need grows quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially around high school kids where you're like, hey, you remember this? Now just listen to me. Trust me. Yeah. You know, I got a little bit of credibility here every now and then. So, (laughs) outstanding. What a special moment for you and your family, man. Thank you. That, uh, it's it's such a massive accomplishment. And you've, you can always probably look over at that thing and, 
and you've got that bond with your dad to relive that thing. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and my mom, she doesn't get enough credit. She was the one getting me to and from practices and, you know, kind of keeping it all under control at home. And, and uh, my dad passed away a couple of years ago, so my mom gets to be in the spotlight a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was she was a big part of it, just, you know, helping control my attitude and, and all those <laughs> things. Dad was away coaching, so – um, you know, like I said, I've, I've got nothing to complain about in my childhood growing up and, and, uh, couldn't ask for, you know, a better childhood. Oh, bless that's, you. that's so cool. So special, yes, man. Really, really special. Well, as always, uh, your college career was seriously without pouring it on here was one of the most prolific in passing history time. I mean, it, it's incredible. That's why you won that award, but we got to bring it up to the pros and getting into the NFL, what was that like? That initial experience getting drafted back then. For those of us that have loved this game for that long, the ninth round, you get uh, picked up by that you know this little franchise known as the Green Bay Green Bay Packers. Yep. I'm sure your dad was over the moon about that. <laughs> uh, what was that experience like for a young guy in his early 20s coming out of Texas, then BYU, now Green Bay? Yeah, it was, um, you know, at that time, you're just hoping to get a chance somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. by, the, by the time the ninth round comes around, you're like, just give me a shot, and see, <laughs> you know, um, and honestly, the first, you know, that first year was really the perfect time to come in there, again, down the right place, the right time, Mike Holmgren's first year, they just traded for Brett Favre, Don Mikowski was there, uh, Steve Mariucci was our quarterback coach, John Gruden was the offensive quality control, Andy Reid was the tight end coach, Ray Rhodes was the D coordinator, Big Jerome. All those guys became head coaches from that staff, so I got to know all of them on a personal level for four years, and and, uh, even though I didn't get to play much, they saw me in practice, saw how I ticked, um, knew I knew the offense, so I, you know, I always had a place to go after Green Bay because I, I knew so many of the coaches and they knew me, even though there wasn't a lot of film on me. So um, mm-hmm. it was a great spot to be drafted. I was just happy to make the team the first two years. <laughs> you know, Mike Tom signed right at the end of camp. He'd been holding out, and I thought, all right, well, that just sealed my fate. And, and Monday morning, back then we didn't have cell phones, so they were like, hey, stay at home. Wow. Hang around in case we need to call you. And Monday morning, <laughs> I come peeking in the locker room like maybe they didn't have my number and my stuff was still hanging in the locker. And oh, <laughs> like wow, I made the team. All right, you know. <laughs> the next year they draft Mark Brunel, and it's me and Brett yeah. Mark and signed Ken O'Brien as a veteran guy. And again, I'm kind of like Monday morning peeking around, and they had decided to let Ken O'Brien go and and keep. Brent as a third-year player, me as a second-year player, and Mark as a first-year player. And so they had a kind of a leap of faith with uh, Brent and, wow. and all of us together. And and uh, after that, kind of settled in and kind of, you know, made my way and kind of knew where I fit and, and felt pretty secure different places I went. So, uh, but those first two years were just hoping to make the team, you know. You know, that's one of those things, Stacey, that um, probably, I, I don't know, Ty, maybe you'd agree with this. One of the most frustrating moments in, in an athlete's life, it's either there in training camp as training camp numbers are going down, you're hoping to be there on that last, next cut all the way through the last one. But going through something like that, uh, you, you know, the average fan doesn't have any idea 
of going through a scenario like that. Touch a little bit more on that, as you had mentioned, uh, the anticipation, just yeah. your, your brain's going against you. It's telling you one thing and you know, yeah. you're fighting with yourself. <laughs> so that first year, like I didn't know anything. I just, you know, kind of just going with the flow and whatever happened, happened. The next year I kind of knew, all right, it's pretty important deal, you know, and, and you see guys getting cut. And, and then, uh, like I said, they signed Ken O'Brien as a veteran backup to Brett. They told me they weren't going to draft anybody. And then they draft Mark in the fifth round and touting him the steal of the draft and another Steve Young lefty mobile quarterback. And, and I'm thinking, man, you know, this is, there's no chance. They're never going to keep three young guys and, and they like to keep their draft picks and Mark's a good player out of Washington. And um, so I, I struggled in practice, not going to lie. I did not practice well, but when mm. the games came around, I played pretty good in the games and, and I'm just sitting there, you, you know, like you said, your mind's fighting against your body because yeah. in your back of your mind, you're like, I'm not going to be here. What the heck, you know? And, but at the <laughs> same time, Hey, I can't go down like this either, you know? And, and, uh, Ken, Ken kind of struggled picking up the offense, didn't play great in the preseason games. And and so he bought a house there. So I'm like, oh, wow. he's secure. And uh, and I just, you know, again, just hoping to, to squeak in there somehow. And, and I did and, and uh, lasted 12 more years bouncing around in five other teams, you know. So incredible. Uh, it worked out. But again, you know, Felt like the right place, the right time um, with that coaching staff and everybody that was there. And you're you're tailor made for the Mike Holmgren offense at the time, weren't you? That West Coast getting the backs involved, the tight end. I mean, that was your world. I'm not. I'm not yeah. surprised. No, I, I I felt real comfortable in it. A lot of BYU type of concepts. I mean, you know, Norm Chow was our OC, and he picked up a lot. You know, through through going to camps and and. I think Mike picked up a little bit of, of the Ted Tolner, you know, Doug Scoville offense there at BYU. And so that whole West Coast was real similar to what mm-hmm. BYU did. And so I was naturally comfortable in it. And of course, I mean, I got to bring this up, Ty. <laughs> There's the famous clip by Brett Favre where he uh, <laughs> he doesn't know what a nickel defense is. And he's like, I learned from Ty Detmer over there. Ty Detmer taught me how to read a defense. <laughs> I think you were around for a reason, my friend. <laughs> yeah, Brett was awesome. I love Brett. Uh, we had a great relationship. Um, you know, you're happy to help. We're all in it together. And, and Brett had a lot to learn those early years. I mean, he'd spend <laughs> and you wouldn't have known it, you know. Uh, and he'll tell you, like, I don't remember anything that went on down there. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, you know, we were all learning together. Steve Mariucci first year in the NFL as well. And so, you know, we all went through Brett's growing pains with the interceptions and things like that the first couple of years. And, and, uh, it was great to kind of sit back and learn from and, and to see how to prepare and, and maybe what not to do and what to do. So, um, you know, we all had a great relationship and, and really enjoyed being around each other and, and learning and growing. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And, and listen, it didn't stop there. Uh, you moved on to other teams. You had some really, really big games as a Philadelphia Eagle. Um, you've, you've played with guys like Steve Young and Michael Vick. How were you in your role 
if you weren't the starter, how were you able to support those guys? Fred, Favre, Brett is constantly calling you out. Like I've seen multiple interviews. <laughs> Ty Detmer kept me alive. I mean, he's constantly talking about it. Um, but like these other guys, Steve Young, Michael Vick, uh, and then you were kind of a mentor to Tim Couch there in Cleveland, right? Yeah. At least Joey that Harris. was the idea. Joey. Oh, and Joey, yeah. Some of those guys. So it, it kind of, after I left Philly, I went to San Francisco knowing Steve was you know, kind of winding down his career. They had Jim Druckenmiller. And so I was there kind of to help Jim try to learn, learn how to be a pro because Steve was Steve, you know, he's tunnel vision in his own world doing his thing. And, and so I kind of came in, helped Jim, you know, try to figure it out. And they ended up making me the backup and he was the third quarterback and, and uh, supported Steve. And, and I think I was a, a calming influence for Steve, you know, that guy's kind of worked up and, and, uh, just, but that's what made him great. He just felt like he had to, had to know everything about what was going on around him. And, and I could kind of come in and like, Hey, just do what you do. I mean, what the heck you, you're NFL MVP. You've been doing this forever. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. You know, I shouldn't worry so much. And so I think I had a good calming effect on Steve. And then, uh, you know, I go to, to Cleveland and they tell me that we're going to draft a quarterback. And so um, knew I was just a placeholder for Tim at that time. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, try to help him learn how to be a pro, how to prepare, how to do all those things and, and keep it lighthearted as well. And and then go to Detroit and, and Charlie Batch was the starter. They kind of, I felt like they replaced Charlie too quick with me and, and uh, mm. kind of went back and forth. And then they drafted Joey Harrington and, and uh, help, you know, kind of him. And and then I go to Atlanta with Mike Vick, and the West Coast offense was coming in there with Greg Knapp and Jim Mora Jr. and and uh, kind of helped support Mike and, and draft Matt Shaw and try to oh, yeah. talk to Matt behind the scenes while Mike's playing, you know. And so that kind of became the role, a little bit of a, a young guy mentor and, and uh, support to the starter. Wow. That's an incredible. At, at what point in that journey did you start to think I this I might have something in this coaching thing that works for me? I mean, a coach's son, a Heisman winner. Yeah. Did you start to somewhere in that in that traveling journey there figure it out? Um, that was always the fallback plan. If I didn't make uh-huh. it at Green Bay, I figured, well, I, I can coach. I know, you know. <laughs> I grew up around it. I, I feel like I've learned football at BYU and, and I can always probably go coach high school ball and, and do that. And so then, you know, obviously after Philly and having a chance to play and then knowing, okay, I'm going to San Francisco and, and back up Steve and, and maybe I get a chance after he, you know, retires. And, and then it worked out where Dwight Clark and Carmen Policy went to Cleveland. I kind of made a business decision because I got to rework my contract and get another bonus. So that was kind of the the retirement plan, right? So at that point, it was like, okay, this is going to be my role as a a player coach type of guy. And, and, uh, you know, but I saw how hard the NFL coaches work and hours Mm -hmm. they put in. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I want life when I'm done playing. Okay. That's a tough one right there. That's that's always been tough, even at the college level. But still, pros. So I don't I, think they have a home. <laughs> for two years of recruiting, the time commitment to that too is like, yeah, I'm I'm perfectly content coaching high school football and having a life outside of it. Too. Yeah, right. dinner with the family. Yep. 
God. So I, I have to ask something that's always intrigued me about you because you've got not everybody has that journey. You go from the Green Bays and the Phillies and the 49ers to the Detroits and the Clevelands. And respect to those fan bases as a Rams fan who's been through some lean years after Mr. Denard left us. Um, what? How do you navigate going from franchises that are just all about the championship to those that are really struggling? What? Yeah. <laughs> what have you? What did you learn on that journey, Ty? Yeah, I, you learn a lot about organizations and and the ones that are successful are are that way for a reason. You know, you look at Green Bay and the consistency they've had. I really feel like because they don't have one owner that can make a knee jerk reaction. You know, mm-hmm. got a board. And they can sit there and, and they don't go through coaches every two years. They don't go through quarterbacks every two years. They've been pretty fortunate with the guys they've had. But yeah. but part of that's because the coaches are there for the, so long in the system and, and know what's expected out of them. So um, and then you go to, you know, at Detroit where we were one in 15 and, and uh, two in 14. And uh, the owner was not really around. The organization had some control issues. Who was really running it? Who wasn't? And it, it trickles down. And so, um, you know, you learn a lot about why why things are successful. And part of it's just having a little bit of patience, having, uh, having you know, your head about you and, and making sure that things trickle down from the top and, uh, and players feel it, you know. So, um that was fun. And, you know, at, at the time when you get it, come out of college, you want to be in one place the whole time. But now looking back, it's like, man, what a great opportunity to learn a lot about, you know, football and, and organizations and businesses and why, why some are successful and why some aren't. Incredible. Incredible. And your family, I mean, uh, there's never enough time to ask how your wife navigated supporting you and, and yeah. kids and moving schools and cities and all of that stuff. I mean, it, God, that's a hero's journey. That's tough. Yeah, it, that's that's probably the hardest part of it. You know, as your kids start getting older, I think when I got done in 2005, my youngest daughter was um, 12 going into seventh grade. And, and that's kind of a time where it was really the perfect time to end because now they're going to start doing their thing. She wanted to be a cheerleader and, uh-huh. and they kind of kind of get in with the group and, and do that. And so... We, we bought a house in Texas in, in 1999 and then, you know, would spend half a year in Texas, half a year wherever I was playing. So the kids had to go back and forth to schools and wow. learn how to adjust. And and uh, part of it's good for them. Part of it's hard on them, you know, trying mm-hmm. to make friends every six months. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, that's what a lot of people probably don't see or the behind the story um, behind the Sundays, uh, part of, uh, of life for players, you know, as you, as you have a family for, for a young guy right out of college and he's single, not that big a deal, right? He, right. <laughs> yeah. <just roll. laughs> in Green Bay in 92. And she made it through the whole journey with us, you yeah. know, and had others along the way, had four daughters ultimately. And, and all while we were playing and moving, and, and a lot of it fell on my wife to, to get them there. And, and in July, after, you know, sometimes it was after camp to make sure you were on the teams. Most of the time, you kind of knew going in, but I got traded in Cleveland right at the end of uh, training camp to Detroit. And she had to pack up and get up there in a U Haul. And, and uh, you know, then we lived in a hotel for a couple weeks and 9 11 hit. And then it really got crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> It wow. 
it was an interesting year that year for us, for sure. Boy, that's right. It just rings a bell. All the different things that have happened, one after another, one after another. And then to have it in that year, that put everything at a, at a standstill for sure. It did, yeah. We, we weren't sure where we were going to live or what we were doing, if they were even going to have football. At that yeah, time. it's yeah. tough enough as it is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, you know what? I have to ask you. What, um, you've seen so many different athletes. You've seen so many different style quarterbacks. And when people ask you to mentor, you kind of oversee someone's development, you, you've had a front row seat. So you probably have an opinion about some of these guys, and maybe there's a sleeper that we don't realize was a sleeper, and maybe it was that one guy everybody else said he was going to be that guy, and you knew he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think a guy like Matt Schaub who came in to Atlanta, and you, you could tell he took it serious. You know, um, we had uh, – Oh, who's the quarterback out of Alabama? Um, Jay Barton. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He got drafted in Green Bay, just got married. Every lunch break, he was going home uh, between practices during two-a-days and not hanging around the facility or not not studying. He couldn't tell you a formation with a play by the end of training camp. And it was like, man, Jay, if you just learn it, they want to keep their draft picks. And, yeah. He was like, ah, man, I make more speaking in Alabama than I do as my NFL player. And, and he, oh, you know, he just didn't put the time in and ultimately got cut. And they kept wow. T.J. Rubley. And, and then I think he got home and figured out, oh, man, I screwed up and, and ended up playing with the New England Patriots for a couple of years, I think. Right. But, but that was a guy the most, you know, I don't know if he hardly lost a college football game at Alabama. And then he yeah, comes to Aaron. And just kind of shut it down mentally and uh, wow. and never made it, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's guys that just kind of work their way up and, and become that guy where Matt Schaub came in. He studied. I mean, he he put time in. He was there all the time and, and ended up going and being a starter for the Texans and, and uh, had a long career in the NFL. And so you just never know. Part of it's just that mental – attitude that guys have and and uh you think jay barker playing at alabama is gonna be the guy and never lost a game and and uh came in with the wrong attitude and a great kid but just you know his heart wasn't in it at the time and, and is, there, the is, it, is, is there a difference between college and high school coaching that different mindset coaching is for sure you know okay you get coming in and and uh you know they're they're young they're still impressionable they're some of them think they've got it figured out and you got to kind of <laughs> break through that barrier at times, but most of them are, are real receptive. College, I don't know how coaches do it now with the transfer portal and everything oh, else. That's, that's horrible. Develop a kid now. Where high school, you can. You can kind of bring them in as freshmen, see the growth, see the development in the weight room, see them on the field, just grow and, and learn from experiences and college. It, it's so different now with the transfer portal that kids are just jumping ship and they're, they never really settle in and develop in a system. They just go from one thing to another and, and uh, it makes it hard to, to, as a coach to develop a kid and to groom them. Cause like I said, that BYU tradition with six mm -hmm. or seven guys in a row played all their junior year. So they sat for two or three learning behind the next guy and then they got their shot. Now, if the kid doesn't play as a sophomore, he's gone, you know, and yeah. sometimes as a freshman. 
they're just like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. out. Yep. So it's tough in college nowadays. Yeah, that's that's the wildest thing development to watch these kids, you know, 18, 19 years old. I'm going to make a lifetime decision. I'm not getting the time I want. It, in amazing. So obligatory fan questions, Ty, uh, just a couple of them. Toughest player you ever faced in the NFL. Was there a guy that just drove you nuts or kept you awake at night looking at your playbook the night before? Yeah, I, I think when I was with the Eagles, we played the Cowboys. Deion Sanders was over there. Yeah. The, you know, the right corner for them, our left side. And it was like, I remember one time I checked because they had a blitz look. I checked to a fade route and I looked over and Freddie Solomon's on Deion Sanders. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not taking that. Path. You know, so. <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> Well, there were, there were certain things like you could throw on Dion a slant because he didn't want to get hit by the linebacker all the time, you know, but, but that guy, you had to know where he was and, and you couldn't throw an out route on him. You couldn't throw a stop route. You just, you had to pick your spots, you know, and, and, and most of the time you worked in the other side of the field. So that guy, I mean, as a cover guy, you, you had to know where he was and, and then, you know, pretty much every team's got a defensive end you're worried about all game long. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, so it, at that level, everybody's got a guy and uh, yeah. you've got to kind of game plan around them a little bit. Coach Sander, look at you two. You're both coaching now. Coach Sanders, um, Coach Detmer. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I got to ask the one question, too, about high school, if, if Preston will allow. Uh, I, you play quarterback long enough, you're going to have one of those days that you'd like to forget. Uh, two, three, four picks. Uh, I'm sure you had them. I know you had them. I watch you. Um, <laughs> every quarterback has them. Brett Favre had them. Steve yeah. Young, everybody has them. What do you tell a kid today? You've got a quarter. Now you're the you're the guy, and you you see a young man, and and it seems like two minutes ago you were that young man. What do you tell a kid that has a day like that? A quarterback. I I you know to your point, it's like hey. You know, shake it off. You got to learn from it. I threw seven picks in a game. You know, <laughs> it's hard to walk back in that locker room. You know, on Monday, but uh, you know, I got a Heisman Trophy in my in my closet. <laughs> I keep pulling it out. Hey, remember this? <laughs> what you did is what you're doing. You know, what you do. Um, yeah, we got to be smarter. We got to be careful. But um, you know, I, I think coaching the quarterback position, you got to. You got to be careful. There's times to jump on a kid, you know, and it's, it's as a quarterback, you know, you got to, you got to kind of talk them through things and <laughs> down on you. And, uh, and at high school, you're not just blessed with three or four guys waiting to, to be the next guy. So, um, you know, you, you work with them and, and I can share those experiences I've had. We've all had them, like you said, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think one of mine was worse than most. So I've, I've <laughs> story for people. I've never known a quarterback that didn't have one or two of those days. Yeah. It's part of the, it's part of the the spot you're in, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the competitive spirit is just keep throwing it, man. One of them throwing it, keep shooting it. It's like a three point shooter. So hot, right? I love it. I love it. So just uh, before we get into the two minute drill, which is where we have a little fun, get to know Ty Detmer yeah. uh, behind the scenes. Uh, do you find it different to coach today's athlete as opposed to when you were a kid, like what your dad faced with you or your teammates? Is it just a little, I mean, I'm probably leading you into that one, but. <laughs> There's 
little difference. I think with social media now and, and you know, a lot of the kids want offers. They want to yeah. mm-hmm. promote that they got an offer, things like that. You know, you try to be realistic with them. Hey, you're, you know, you're five, eight, uh, you're on a four, seven, 40. Um, you know, let's be realistic here. Have a good time playing high school ball. We'll see what happens, you know? And so, um, uh, most of the kids are still pretty good, pretty respectful. You know, we've got a good group and, and fortunately we've got enough players that if a kid's stepping out of line, you can kind of like, Hey, you know, you got to discipline them. And, and, uh, we don't have much of that, you know, we're, we're, got a pretty good group but but ultimately yeah it's probably different than when we were there you know at that time i mean you just you practice you didn't have anything else to do kids have a lot more options a lot more things going on and and a lot more things they can be doing so you still have to make it fun for them you gotta they have to enjoy it they gotta work hard you gotta push them um but they have to have a good time playing and so um, I've always believed in that though. I, you know, I don't want things to be miserable for people. I want them to have fun and they'll work hard if they're having fun and, and want to be there. And so mm-hmm. today's kid, they've got so many options with, with technology and, and video games and just everything going on. It's easy for them to, to drop out or to quit. If you're, uh, if you're not just treating them all differently and like Lavelle, you know, find that, that, for each kid that, that gets them going and, and keep them involved. So uh, that's the challenge, I think, for a lot of high school coaches now is, is keeping the numbers up. Uh, our enrollment hasn't changed, but our numbers go up by 20 every year because I think they're enjoying being a part of the team. And, and so um, I feel like we're, we're doing it the right way or, or we'd be losing a lot more kids than, than we gain. So uh, that's the challenge fascinates me to no end uh my local high school where my girls go uh the head coach is sean Mannion's father oh yeah uh so we had the Mannion boys was our quarterback uh friday night lights for us and uh, i had so many questions for him you know it's just yeah, to see players and coaches and in, in that interaction uh is fascinating thanks yeah. a lot ty wow wow ty, give those values but yeah they got to know you. You appreciate them and you love them, and that you're there for them too. So, absolutely. Oh, hey, does the name uh, Dan Minucci ring a bell for you? Oh yeah, he's out uh, here quarterbacks all the time in the lab. He's always in the lab with he's them. He's in the lab. Well, <laughs> you know, he, Ron Washington, I, myself, my brothers, and all that. We all kind of grew up in the Tempe area. I went to. I graduated from Marcos Teniza in their first uh-huh. graduating class. Yep. And uh, just knew all those guys back then. And, um, yep. you know, he kind of carved out a little bit of a Brock Purdy, uh, <laughs> Stacy. So, uh, really? Randy works. Oh, yeah, he works with a lot of young kids. And oh, yeah. got really quite a few of them out there. Yeah, he and does. Then, uh, I know a few of our quarterbacks have gone to him from time to mm-hmm. time. And he, wow. he, a few games on, uh, on one of the local uh, high school network type of right. deal. He's been out to a couple games. and. Uh, he's a good guy, so we always enjoy interacting with him. Yeah, we're trying to get wow. him on. Got to get him a date. All right, before we move on, close this thing out. You got to share about the golf tournament and partnering with Stacy and um, in Grants, New Mexico. Tell us a little bit about that. Share with everybody. Well, Stacy and I played together at BYU. He was a running back for me, and and uh, uh, twenty years ago, it was twenty years this year. He came to me and said, "Hey, you could." Tony Dorsett's got a league in Gallup. Could we put your name on our lo- local football league? It's not doing great. We need to generate some more interest and excitement. And 
And I was like, Grants, New Mexico. Where, Stacy, I know you're from. <laughs> he said, well, we're our west of Albuquerque. I'm like, all right, you got it. I'll, whatever you need, man, I, I'll do for you, for you guys. And, and then it turned into, hey, can we have a fundraiser, a dinner, and a golf tournament? And, and you know, Grants is it's far enough away from Albuquerque and a little more recessed area. And, and the kids need equipment. They need lights at the field. Right, right. And Stacy and his family and a lot of the people there have, have been over backwards to try to help the youth there. And, and once I got there and kind of saw what, what the excitement level was for people to have, have celebrities come in and, and uh, you know, it, it's been awesome, you know, so this will be year number 20 and, and uh, wow. we, uh, we generate money for the youth programs there and they put on some camps, have uh, some great, great guys like Preston come in and help with the camps and, and they do it for all sports. And so uh, Jason Giambi's coming this year. So, oh, okay. you know, that, that people are, are willing to go to Grants, New Mexico and to take part in it and, and, uh, you know, we, we try to raise what we can out there and, and help mm-hmm. the kids. So proud to have the, the Detmer Youth Football League there in Grants, New Mexico, and, and uh, go out and, and get to interact with the people and see the kids grow up. Nope. Ty, Ty got that, that call that interrupts a great – there he is. He's back. He's back. <laughs> Nothing editing can't fix. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, All right. Yeah, uh, Stacy's been great. He's he's a good friend. Their family, his dad started Ed Forley Ford out there and, and uh great family. So I, I always enjoy going back and seeing them. Good. Well, we're looking forward to, to you coming back. All right. Well, we move to the part of the show, my friend, where the two minute drill is the remaining portion <laughs> of this this little gambit here. Um, and, and we first want to say thank you so much for your time this evening. This has been wonderful, and I'm sure we could do a whole nother hour if we wanted to. Easily. Uh, but the two-minute drill, quick right. wit, your personality, your first thought, your convictions, a surprise <laughs> or two. All, All right. right, you ready? You bet. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you not. <laughs> Everybody else has survived it, but you'll yeah. find him. It's going to be interesting to hear his take on it. All right, two-minute drill of the Gridiron Icon podcast. Turf or grass? Grass. Oh, okay. He's right there. Uh, College or NFL? College. Mm. Texas or Utah? (laughs) Texas. Once you're a Texas, you can't go back. <laughs> I, I love it. Love it, love it. I think that's a first, but everybody from there, you know. <laughs> Texans. All right, your favorite movie? Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Would you have thought? <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance, Ty. Got it. <laughs> All right, your most underrated teammate at any level? Man, uh, Daryl Davis, high school running back. Wow! Shout out to Daryl, Eric Dickerson, protege. He uh, that guy was six two, about one hundred and ninety pounds. He just could not stay in college. He went to Dixie, uh, really, uh, JC, and didn't make grades. And man, 
But that guy, he had everything he wanted. So he, oh, he was a great running back for us in high school. Oh, wow. my God. With a name like that, he, he, he should have been. I mean, that's cool. Bill Davis, okay. All right. All right. Uh, your greatest football achievement. Ah, uh, the Heisman Trophy, I guess. There so. you go. You guess. Yeah. <laughs> little little thing. That's right. <laughs> okay, here's here's a big one. Who plays you in a movie about your life? Well, I hope it's not Jim Carrey, but uh, <laughs> or Pee Wee Herman, like Lavelle said. But uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that one. That's a, that's a good one. So. Um, We'll go with Kevin Costner. How about that? Oh, oh love it. Love it. You oh, know, that perfect. works. My coaches, my assistant coaches, and, and people here call me Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> um, maybe him. <laughs> That's awesome. Kevin Costner, you do kind of resemble one. him. That's a good one. There I mean, he's done some of the sports movies, Dancing with the Wolves, some of those. Yeah. A little bit of country, a little bit of sports. So. I like it. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Oh, my God. Ty, wonderful. This has been outstanding. I certainly appreciate you joining us this evening. And, uh, gosh, wish we could do more. But I tell you, we're just going to have to invite you back because there's there's so much about you. You So glad that you came and um, shared a little bit about what you're doing. And uh, I'm going to continue to golf for you. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. I love it. And, folks, those listening or watching on our YouTube channel here at Gridiron Icon, you can find Ty on Twitter. I'm sure he just lives there, uh, at <laughs> TyDetmer14. So go follow Ty. Watch his coaching career take off. Ty Detmer, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Really appreciate you taking the time. And for our listeners out there, like, subscribe, follow. You find us on all the major podcast hosts. And, again, Preston, Parting shots for Ty Detmer. Just a big, big thank you. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. you. All right, folks. We will see you next week. 